Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wild Ones Podcast, episode 18. I'm back, Jimmy. Did you miss me? Absolutely not. I was thrilled for you to not be here. Recorded a podcast with Nick and it went down really well. It's actually our most successful podcast ever and you weren't part of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with that. Can you have him going forward? Uh, preferably, yes. Okay, but for good. some reason you keep showing up <laughs> and he keeps not showing up. I'm Francis, this is Jimmy, and this is the show where we chat about bike stuff. I'm very happy this week. Why is that? One, I had a holiday. Two... Mark Cavendish is going to continue racing next year. Mark Cavendish, your favorite pro cyclist. Yes, I'd say that. Yeah, so he's canceled his retirement. He retired, but he's going to carry on. Astana is going all in on what they're calling Project 35, aka getting him his 35, 35th Tour de France stage win, the most ever on record, beating Eddie Merckx's record. I'm glad he's coming back for this. I, I, everyone in the cycling world, apart from Wout van Aert, wants him to achieve this. Yes. <laughs> for beat it, because he beat him. Well, yeah, Wout van Aert is just des- desperately hungry to win, so he just, he just wants to... Maybe he still wants him to do it, but he... Can't let him. Just, he can't let him because he he's a bike racer. Yeah. yeah, perhaps. Um, so this is the first admission that he's going for this record a bite from the team rather than him i mean it's a bit of a marketing thing for the team isn't it but Uh, fantastically yes mark cavendish has never really said in the past that he's going for the record he just kind of was left it in his head he was in his head he was uh so the team have hired cav's former coach uh who's the guy that we saw in the netflix documentary about mark cavendish uh vasilis anastopoulos Good. I think he did well. I think I got that name. Uh, uh, And he's going to help him and the whole team are going to be working together to get Cav this result that he wants, which is one stage of the Tour de France. It could be anything. Probably a sprint stage. I've got two comments on this. Yeah. One is... Oh, he's a bit of a prologue, man. I think it's... That would be funny, wouldn't it? I think it's amazing that the whole team are coming together just for this one objective. It's such a good marketing tool for Astana. 
Because like, what it just makes sense. If 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 he gets this, or even if he doesn't get it, there's going to be so much hype around him at this tour that it's amazing for the team and all of the sponsors. That's oh, wicked. For having him on the team was a, was a massive deal for Astana. I remember when I, when I was riding with them, which was a couple of years before he joined. They had no real like the focus. You could tell on the training camp the focus wasn't there. The guys from Villa weren't sure who the rider was, mm-hmm. um, and they. Yeah, you know, they they never really had a Grand Tour contender, so a GC contender. So having him been excellent for the team, it's given them focus and it's given them, it's just, he's great, isn't he? My second comment is, do you think that some of the other teams will let him get it, apart from Wout van Aert? No, and then if, if, if he... I think they if will. He were, what, like gifted? Yeah, well, not like completely gifted, but like partly gifted. Because I think, you know, if it's like early in the tour, it doesn't really make a difference to the results. He, Astana are not going to be realistically competing for any of the big accolades. So they're not a threat. So by him getting that, that winning that title with Astana, it doesn't impact I mean, people them aren't if, if they go, go like, go, oh, just go soft on this and let him out. Yeah, no, there won't be any like, let's chase him down for the sake of trying to get a, maybe get a stage or another that it would be it'd be interesting yeah I, I think this is a really interesting uh, th- thing to follow as part of the tour for this year definitely and for people who haven't uh, might have been you know I met a guy while I was on holiday actually who'd been he's well into cycling he like, met me and he was like oh this is amazing like get to chat about cycling he's an American guy he's in America and he didn't really know that much about Mark Cavendish because he'd only got into watching pro cycling in the last three years. If that's the case, then you, you might not know much about him. There's two excellent things you should watch. The Netflix documentary about Mark Cavendish, which has recently been released. What is it? Month, two months old. And even further back, my recommendation would be Chasing Legends where they follow, I think it's 2009, 2010 Tour de France, uh, where... Him and his team, HTC Columbia, they uh, they weren't the first guys to do a lead-out train, but they dominate, and I won't spoil it anymore. But Chasing Legends, excellent watch, and I'm sure you can find it online in places. This is definitely going to be a Netflix documentary in a year's time, isn't it? Well, well, that's what they time. were hoping for the last one would be. Yeah. But now it's, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, 100%. Oh, my fingers are crossed for him. I'm excited. I, 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 cool yeah, guy. I think it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine anyone's going easy on him. Otherwise, he would have had it last year. Yeah, the, the, Tour de France him. is the Tour de France. Yeah, the, exactly. the, the modern, the, the modern riders, the newer riders, they don't care, care, you know, in the same way. Good luck to him, though. Good It'll luck be fun to, him. to watch. Good luck to him. Isn't it wicked? You can still be racing. Like how how old is Mark Cavendish? Let's... Thirty-nine. He's thirty-nine, and for a sprinter as well. He's actually thirty-eight at the moment, but will be thirty-nine when it comes up to the race. Because you can see the guys who are doing the longer efforts, you know, like FTP kind of riders, they, they and ultra guys. You know, the the older you get, you come into yeah, it. your your short, you know, your your sprint power might be reduced, but this is he's proving it wrong. But it's probably about body type as well, because a sprinter's typically like not a beanpole person. I can't remember what it is. Is it a mesomorph where it's like where you know like that's naturally the, that's stocky. the technical term, beanpole person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think for a proper pure sprinter, it doesn't matter if you're a bit older. Mm. Contrary to what do you think? As, but, long as, you, as long as you can get to the end. Yeah, but he doesn't actually even need to get to the yeah, end, yeah, does he? Yeah. He just needs to be strong enough to 
smash the first probably like six or seven stages and then he can just coast. Yeah. Just try and finish if he wants. He's going to want to finish. If he gets that win, he's going to want to finish. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. Whole, the whole thing will then become... I mean, fairy tale would be Champs-Élysées. The, the Tour de France <laughs> will become all about will Cavendish finish the Tour. If he gets that win, everyone wants to see him on at, at the end. Mm. When, when he's fit, it's absolutely fine. People, I, there was always this weird rumor almost or like the the thing people would say is like oh yeah Cav's not on paper he's not that fit compared to you know other than sprinting he's not that fit compared to the other riders it's bullshit like he's a very strong rider the only times where he's got dropped from races is when his head wasn't in it so he wasn't training he and had then that he condition like, as well didn't like, he he's had that health strong. when I mentioned a minute ago that the um his performance in prologues so like a short time trial admittedly you're riding above FTP but it's He's, he was super strong on those durations as well. So it's the whole last like 15, 20, uh, 15 10 minutes of a race. He's, he's made for that. Yeah, totally. It's not just the sprint. I think we're probably a little bit biased because we are British and Cavs British. I don't yeah, know whether yeah. he has the same pull overseas, but yeah. Like the American guy. That it's I our met. show, so we can say that we like him. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone knows. So it's an amazing story and I hope people will get to see it in its entirety. Wahoo is closing down virtual cycling platform RGT, Road Grand Tours. Road Grand Tours? Yes. Just 18 months after buying it, it's now offering Wahoo X subscribers a 12-month Zwift membership instead. Wahoo X has offered Wahoo customers access to System, formerly the Sufferfest, which is for structure training and Road Grand Tours. They haven't said why they're closing it, only that they've made a strategic decision to focus on Wahoo's long-established strengths and around structured training content through system. You have a conspiracy theory about this. Yes, it's my my conspiracy theory has already been debunked, though, by Emily. Oh. Uh, what my first thoughts are, was this something to do with the uh, lawsuit that was pending between Wahoo and Zwift to do with one of the turbos and actually one of the settlements of that was Zwift going actually you need to shut down RGT but then Emily reminded me that it was Wahoo suing Zwift, Zwift yeah. rather than the other way around so I guess Zwift didn't have the leverage but who knows who knows perhaps I think the reason they're given the Zwift membership is because they have this Wahoo X thing which basically is if you're a Wahoo customer you subscribe, you pay a little bit of money, you get access to System, which is Superfest and RGT. So it's meant to be this like all like all in one training platform thing. The word that the marketing manager for Wahoo once used in this space was ecosystem. Ecosystem. But yeah, so I guess they've they've got they've got this money coming in. They don't want to have a huge drop off in that because actually, when they around the time that they bought, bought RGT, they had loads of debt as well. They were really struggling, I think. Um, they've had sure they still do they've had a load no they managed to clear it and they've had a load more investment but I think I wonder if it's a bit of it's just too expensive to run or they're wearing themselves too thin because they they laid off like um, like 30 or 50 people or something around the time that they bought RGT as well so they've definitely had a bit of turbulence in their business do you think companies like Wahoo and Garmin should be trying to create or buy their own virtual training platforms or just let Zwift do their thing. I think people are trying to come for them. Zwift constantly and it just doesn't seem a stick, does it? Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. Well, Zwift are just miles ahead in terms of the development, aren't they? They're so far ahead. 
And like, you know, it's, it's not just it's, development. It's just it's established, isn't it? Like trying to get people off a platform to start a new one because they're invested in, you know, they've paid. They've, firstly, they've invested a certain amount of money every month to have that account. And then you've reached level 20. If I go to no RGT, they do care. They, do. they 100% care. I think competition is always good for any industry because it encourages progression. It stops businesses from just going, get, becoming stale. And, and it's to stop, well, you don't want the prices to just keep going up and up and up and up. If yeah. Zwift was the only option, they could just make it 50 quid a month. Yeah. But then you could also just not use it. Not an option. <laughs> uh, I think if an alternative came through that was good, then I would have an interest in it. Maybe it's my whoosh. Perhaps. Mm. I don't think anything's come through yet where I've been like, yeah, that's a banger. I just think they're all a little bit too one-dimensional, aren't they? I think the Zwift, the Zwift sort of controller thing, if they make it, I I'm totally with you. It should be Mario Kart. I think it should be way more fun. Mm -hmm. Um, but some people just want to use it just for something to look at. We, we had a look at that the other day, didn't we? Yes. The, the Mario controller. Kart thing. Oh, I, I'm very excited for, for the potential of it. Did you know that Jimmy is currently second in the entire world on the Zwift Mario Kart leaderboard? Out of two. <laughs> there's only, there's only Why is there no one else there? I don't know. What? I think it probably resets every like few days or something rather. Or when no when, one when I had controls. a go on it, there was two times. I was second. There was one person faster. Well, that's it. I'm getting on this. Early right. adopter and you'll be, you'll be a world champion. Actually get fit again. <laughs> did you see what was kicking off at the Gravel World Champs this week? I did. And I think it is very appropriate. Yes. Well, not the thing happening. The response, the response to the things yes. happening. So there was no... Uh, Gravel World Champs happened and there was no live broadcast of the women's race. The UCI blamed the local race organizers in Veneto, Italy, for the lack of coverage. They said fans would have to follow the race via social media. GCN reported that they were at the event to cover the race. They said that live information being given to them in the press room during the women's race was terrible and was really hard to follow, which made it hard to report live. Of course, the men's race didn't have any of these problems and was broadcasted live. The UCI has now come out and said it will make live broadcasts of both the men's and women's races mandatory for next year. So you have lots of people very upset that firstly, the women's race wasn't broadcast and they wanted to see it. There's also the fact that all of these riders have sponsors and teams have big budgets and they're going to this race and then getting no coverage whatsoever. I think it's good that they've said it's mandatory for next year. I think it's very uh, narrow-sighted for them to not have given it appropriate coverage this year. Mm. Silly. Especially Silly now, UCI. like it's the sort of thing you'd see five years ago and be like, oh, that's annoying. I, I've said but previously, getting better, but I prefer women's cycling to men's cycling because it's still exciting, whereas men's cycling is so marginal now that it's just like, mm. there's no argument here. The race, both races, extremely exciting, look like complete chaos and would have been amazing to watch. I can see like people argue, it's like when we did the podcast a few weeks ago and people arguing the toss in the comments about like, oh, the, the prize money and uh, women's cycling being watched less, so why should they be paid the same? But all that crap, none of that can be applied to this. This is just not correct and needs to be fixed, which it looks like it will be next year. Yeah. I saw the finishing photo and it was a road climb. Yeah, weird, right? 
what what what's that about? Why is it? It's a gravel race. It should be off road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of it, hundred percent of it, should be off road. Agreed. There is enough places in the world that you can do a full race off road that isn't just like British mud and single track. <laughs> it can be an. Actual I can see why they race. chose there because I've actually I've ridden around there and it's the it's like the white roads and it's pretty tame gravel. However, they took them on some much more technical, like harder stuff. Yeah. Uh, but not single track like we ride here. Yeah. I mean, they're weird that it finished on a road climb. At least finish it on gravel. That's also very UCI. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think the UCI should be piggybacking an existing event? What do you mean? As in like one of the gravel events that already happens? Yeah, because gravel is like, like that whole lifetime Grand Prix thing in America. They have established events with loads of riders going the competitions there everyone kind of knows what the courses are like and some of them are really exciting really good do you think uci should just make one of those the world champs i think it would probably make it a better a more a correctly technical event mm. if that makes sense yeah um or at the very least work with actual specialists in that space like, what you constitutes know, a specialist? Well, you know, like some, some so of the organisers of the other events. Yeah. So even if it is a bespoke event for the world champs, at least work with like the, the organisers of the events that are already world famous yeah, in the yeah, sector. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Unbound, Sea Otter. Uh, yeah, those that they're, they're big. They're like mostly American big gravel events. And always very long. I always find it strange. They have Unbound in particular. The competitor, they have different lengths. So they have a 50, 25 mile, 50 mile, 100 mile, 200 mile XL, which is like 300 and something miles. It's offensive. Which is a ultra, that's, that's raced in a very different way. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, the, the, the most competitive event is the 200 mile, which is like 12 hours long. No thanks. Almost too long for it to be. I, I, I think if the 100 mile was the main event, it would be more exciting. Why? And more watchable. Because I think the riders spend a long time just riding in a pace line. Just just getting the bulk done. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which is generally my issue with bike racing. Mm -hmm. Like I think the Tour de France stages should be shorter. Yeah, yeah. So that you're not spending two thirds of the event just kind of getting to the act the action. Yeah, that's probably, yeah. There's a bit of Yeah. It's just always how it, how it's been, isn't it? I guess what it does is create a specialist rider who is good at those extra long events because mm -hmm. professional cyclists, traditional pros, road cyclists, a 200 mile gravel event, which is that long is, is out of their comfort zone big time. That's there's argument as to whether are those pros better or are people like, um, Keegan Swenson who are, they specifically train for 200 mile, really long races you know a traditional pro versus him who who is actually better isn't that where your lachlan morton fits into this as well i suppose so well, he's kind of he's bit, longer bit of again, both. Isn't he? yeah no but then he then he drops back and he does short events as well mm. and does really well like top 10 top five yeah um he was up there at unbound so he seems to adapt to whatever i i'll be honest i kind of feel like this is the sort of space that you would have actually been really good. I think if you were like motivated five years ago 
to be the elite cyclist that you once were, mm. I think this kind of 200 mile gravel event, you would have been like top few in the world. Yeah, I don't know. You've I, got you've got that like that like annoying head mentality that you just don't give up. Like for example, doing a double Everest on a turbo <laughs> and doing an, uh, a road Everest on a BMX bike and doing 500 miles for lols on a Christmas day in doing one mile laps mostly. Like you've just got that mentality where you're like, well, I've decided I'm going to do it, so I'm just going to do it. Mm. And I think that you are skilled enough and light enough and have the potential fitness to have been monstrous in this space. I think I think too light for the big gravel races. Like, well, Unbound is the one I'm always thinking of. And I think being my height, 5'10", is too small. No, I don't, I disagree. But doesn't stop Pidcock, does it? Talking about that BMX, BMX Everest, you're... Stoicism. I know you you read you've read Marcus Aurelius's Stoicism. Oh, meditations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that why you're so stoic when you're doing these ridiculous things? Because I remember the day before you were like, "Oh, I don't have a saddle for the bike. Can I borrow yours?" And oh, yeah. if something was going wrong, that would be the thing. I'd be like, "It's that saddle." Even if it wasn't, do you know what I mean? Like those little things can like throw people off, and you're just like, hmm. I don't, I'm sure it was stuff, hell. You know, like your the knees were like yeah. your knees were sort of doing their own thing out the side, and I thought that is gonna hurt in a bit and it just oh no i think that proves q factor wider stance creates very few problems <laughs> whereas uh, uh, i don't know maybe I, I just don't get problems on the bike perhaps yeah i'm not sure i felt pretty maybe. like i did get a sore well i mean you're always gonna get a sore, sore something aren't you but it was a bmx yeah um i don't know i what goes through my head as soon as i've started an event like that there's no i'm not stopping there's no it's not an option but i think of i don't know i just thought of weird stuff while i was right it's like it's just time to think, isn't it? Honestly, I haven't thought about it that much. I don't, I don't have an answer. And I hadn't read any uh, stoic ah. teachings by that at that point. Well, there you go. You might mm. be next level now. You've unlocked a whole new level of yeah. consciousness. I like a weird little challenge. But yeah, you're right. I haven't um I have not been in a state of what I consider fit and done an ultra thing ultra level ultra length ride like the 500k around the inner circle of regent's park or the bmx everest or the double everest all of that like i was unfit when i started that so uh, i'm not going uh, fast i'm just going right just just to qualify that for everyone listening to this mm. you were unfit by your standards you were not unfit yeah you were very fit but not by your standards. I mean, fitness in terms of like training peaks. You, What's you, considered you like fitness? You like 80% of your potential. Like VO2 max and how high your FTP is, how many, how many red blood cells you have. Hmm. However you want to define it, like fitness, actual fitness. Yeah. On to our big question of the day. What are some of our favorite cycling products of all time? Jimmy. Hello. There's a list of things here, which are your favorite cycling products of all time. So I think the conditions for this were cool but expensive. So yeah. not necessarily uh, you have them, uh, but definitely stuff that you like covered, mm -hmm. um, like Buffalo Bill and skin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so my first one on the list is steel bikes. I have two custom-made steel bikes that I absolutely love 
every time I look at them, I just I they make me smile. One of which is a Moss bike, which is a road race bike, which I got built probably more than a decade ago now, and I still have it and I still use it. And I'm about to convert it to a lightweight hill climbing bike because it's that phenomenal. And my other one is a 650B gravel bike made by Howler. Both of these bike builders I know and I love them and I love these bikes and they're beautiful and magnificent and gorgeous and lovely and I love them. I've seen them. They look very cool. They are very cool. I have I have owned a steel bike, but it was a, a fixed gear conversion, uh, which was a Pearson frame that my granddad gave to me and that was given to him by his mate, Joe Tarrant, who used to race. And it was very green. Who was the uh, brother of Chris Tarrant. <laughs> Famous British TV presenter. They're very far apart in age. Yeah, yeah. That, that can happen. Yeah, fair enough. Shall I do one of my ones now? Yes, what's one of yours? Should we alternate? Uh, one of mine is the, and I know this is one this of is your favourites. This is actually a joint, well. a joint, a joint, one. joint one. one. The Silka Top Tube Pump or Frame Pump, which is a frame pump. So many people ask what it is, and it just slots underneath the top tube of your bike. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, an alternative to having a mini pump in your pocket or attached to the side of the frame and it with a spring it just holds itself into the top of the frame and it means if you do have a puncher or you need to pump up a tire at any point in your ride you can do so without going <laughs> so what you've described is a feature of all top tube pumps <laughs> yes why, why is this one, one so good because it's so well made and satisfying it looks amazing it feels amazing to use even slotting it onto the valve is satisfying. However, it's like two hundred quid. Is it that much? We both got it reduced. I think I, I think my I think I paid for about one hundred and twenty quid for mine. So I've used top tube pumps on my bikes for the best part of a decade. I've the majority of them. The majority of the pumps I've used are a top peak one, which costs about 15 quid, which is phenomenal. It, it does exactly great. the same job as this one. Right? Yeah, yeah, you do not need the silker one. I bought a silker one discounted. At, I think it was about 120 quid because I had a lovely bike. It was when I had the hand illustrated um, alloy bike that my mate did a hand illustration across the whole thing. It's absolutely phenomenal. And I was like, well, I want, I'm going to use a top tube pump. I want one that is fitting to how beautiful this bike is. So I was like, I'm going to, go wild and I'm going to buy it. And the whole thing is like alloy machined. It's just, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal pump, but completely and utterly unnecessary. And I think you saw my one and you were like, oh my goodness, that is mint. We I had have it to in get Spain, one as well. didn't we? Yeah. Uh, that is so good. So they retail for 172 pounds. Wow. We both bought them, reduced yep. from Sigma Sports. <laughs> yeah. 120 quid. Yeah. I remember it was out of stock for age and you were like, Francis, it's back in stock. It's back in stock. Get it, get it. I was like, yes. <laughs> Bought it straight away. They come in a few different lengths. Uh, you need to measure your frame, make sure you get the right one. So if you see one super cheap and then it's a weird size, just make sure it's going to fit. I tell you what's beautiful, extra bougie. When we, me and Jimmy used to go to Bespoked, which is like the steel bike yeah. festival. And there's lots there with um, custom paint jobs. And I've seen one that then get the silica pump made in the same custom paint as the oh, steel bike. Yeah. Ooh, very nice. I would like to customize my frame in some way, uh, frame pump in some way. I guess, I I guess cause it's, it's metal. You can paint it. Yeah. yeah. And it looks so sleek. It looks like it's part of the bike. Mm-hmm. I think that's the appeal of them, isn't it? That they're so sort of slender, doesn't stick out. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yep. Completely unnecessary, but absolutely beautiful. 
on to the next thing. Uh, this is one of mine. It is Chris King headsets. I've installed many of these, but never owned one. I have one on, on my steel Moss bike. Um, it's again, it's just like, it's, it's overindulgent. It's unnecessary. It's very well made. They just look amazing. I just love them. Actually, I used to have a coffee machine at home and Emily bought me a tamper. So a tamper is what you like press the coffee grinds into the basket, I think it's called, for the coffee machine. And Emily bought me for my birthday once a Chris King headset tamper. So they basically like machined a head. Oh, the little, yeah, so it yeah. looks like the top. Oh, the, it's uh, so the, good. The cup. It's so good. I just, <laughs> I just love them. They're like, again, like, you know, you don't need it, but. They're beautiful. They've got loads of different colors. I'm all, whenever I'm like specking a bike, I'm always thinking like, well, does a, does like an orange Chris King headset work on this or does this work? And then you can never get stock. So then you inevitably just get a cheap one instead. But they're amazing. I love them. Fair play. My next thing is, and so this is what, back when I used to work at a bike shop, we'd always have these on our laptop screens when we were doing no work. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be looking at bikes, obviously. And one of the brands was English Cycles. And they predominantly make these, well, the pictures I've seen are these TT bikes, which are completely like slammed. They're beautiful. And you're going to have to just look at pictures of them. If you just type in English Cycles TT bikes, I'm sure the positions on them, as soon as you put yourself in a good position for going fast, they won't look as good. However, the completely slammed, like the to- in like the handlebars are in line with the top tube, completely straight, and they just look mint. I nearly bought one of these. Did you? When I so when I bought my Moss bike about a decade ago, I was a triathlete and I was looking to buy a custom steel bike that was for racing, i.e., triathlon. And I very nearly bought an English Cycles, but then I determined that. I was very unlikely to use a TT bike enough. So I ended up getting a road bike with clip-on extensions. And later on, I bought a carbon TT bike. But yeah, they are absolutely awesome. I love them. I found something that we should get. I love the idea of a steel TT bike. It's so... um, How about this one? Do you know, I think I've seen that in person. I've just brought up a picture for the listeners at home of a tandem TT bike made by English Cycles. We could do an event on that. I could pay you with someone more appropriate for you to do an event on that. No, because I I enjoy your commentary. I think you should. I think Mm. you should do it. This is how you're going to win the Gravel World Champs. Aero chain set. Well, this is how I'm going to win the Gravel World Champs. Mm. I mean, it's totally impractical, isn't it? Even the normal TT bikes, because if you're going for aero, you're not going to... It's not that aero. Probably isn't there. I reckon it's pretty aero. I think the the main the main difference with something like that is the bike is going to be comfortable. The the correct geometry and therefore have less bike is going to have as little bike as it needs to be. If you know what I mean. Yeah, but less bike with aero, more sometimes more bike is better. That's why those horrible triathlon bikes are just like sales. I'm pretty certain that nothing is faster than something. <laughs> <laughs> 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> the next, so I'm going to give my next one. MV um, Forks, back in the day when they used to have the lovely branding down the side. I'm again biased because I have one on my Moss bike. Uh, in fact, NV finishing kits. I've like, I've wanted an NV finishing kit forever, but then you kind of go like, right, so there's the stem, there's the bars, there's there's the seat post, and you price it up and it's like a thousand pounds and you're like, uh, I think I've exa- exaggerated that slightly, but not by that much. Um, it's just too expensive. I could not justify buying it as much as I want it. But I do have a fork because I got it cheap when I bought my Moss bike. I love it. It looks great. My next one is all danger home bikes. So there's a guy called Gustav who strips, paints and rebuilds and fully customizes Scott bikes. So I think he has a deal with Scott. He's a Scott ambassador. He's got ambassador. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think they give him the frames. He does these insane things to them and creates the most beautiful Scott bikes you will ever see. And he did a road bike, it's mainly mountain bike stuff. He did his first ever road bike, which was a Scott foil, and it looks amazing. The mountain bikes, however, is what is my favorite bit. And he'll just put the most bonkers parts on. They're all match, he's an artist. He's he an is, artist. yeah. I've, I've seen him like make custom uh, shifters, mm-hmm. which he's then embedded into. So this is for a, a mountain bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like little blip kind of things that he's then embedded into the bars. So like you've got this mountain bike, which is like zero cables. It's all just like hidden art. It's, it is, it's, the stuff he produces, you just doesn't exist anywhere I else. I don't know how to, you, how, how does he think of the things to do? It's the amazing. thing, the thing I love most about him though, is his fashion sense. <laughs> fashion sense, his Instagram with his little glasses. Little glasses he does these, He does these reels on Instagram, which uh, it'll be him skidding a bike into frame taking off his goggles and then you have to watch to see what's underneath. <laughs> Check him out. Short shorts, so massive quads, great beard. He looks like he's like Scandinavian or something rather. Great rider as well. I love him. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. He's pretty handy. Good, excellent choice, Francis. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. But Mark- can you imagine you, you probably can never get one. Does he sell the bikes afterwards? What happens? I'm pretty sure he strips them down again and then he rebuilds them. Probably. He just keeps going, changing stuff, bit new thing, you know? Like us, he probably wants to keep as many bikes in the studio as possible so he can then pull from it and make different things. What's your next one? Uh, I remember seeing this a number of years ago. I think it was for, um, is his name Enzo? Enzo Colnago? 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 The guy that founded Colnago had an 18-carat gold-plated bike made for his birthday, and I think it ended up going to, like, Pope John Paul II or something rather. And it is just like the 
the the most beautiful classic steel well gold <laughs> uh bike all just finished in like traditional styles i love it it's absolutely beautiful he, he gave it to the pope i think there's something to do with the pope i don't know that's a very pope like thing isn't it he's sitting on a, a golden throne with his gold like, bike with his gold bike yeah. his gold hat uh ernesto is his name ernesto that's it ernesto. um it's absolutely beautiful it's 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 it was priced at £48,000, um, so it's not going to be something I'm going to run out and buy. Mm-hmm. But if I won the lottery, like the jackpot, not just like £48,000, I would buy it and put it on a wall. You wouldn't, you wouldn't ride it to work? No. Well, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't work? I wouldn't work, yes, correct. And if I was going to get to work, it would be in my gold-plated helicopter, not my gold-plated bike. Jimmy, you must have been a magpie in a previous life. You love a shiny thing. You're going for a lot of shiny things in your list. Uh, my my last and definitely not least and not shiny thing. Disappointed. <laughs> Is it the Amazon shoe dryer? I've brought I've put this in so many videos in the past. It's a thing that dry okay, it probably doesn't matter for anyone who doesn't live in England, but at least sixty percent of my rides. I end up with wet shoes. So a shoe dryer, which won't melt your shoes, which is what happens if you put them on a radiator and generally the radiator is on too hot. A lot of shoe brands say you're not supposed to dry your shoes with it and, and, and except for just airing them and just letting them dry themselves. The shoe dryer is so, so good. And it's like 20 quid on Amazon. So it's actually not expensive. This list is meant to be cool, but expensive. I'm not sure yeah, it's cool. cool or expensive, cool. but we'll, we'll allow cool. it. I guess it's it's expensive for shoe drying, I guess. Yes, I guess so. But it is it is disappointing that that's on cool but expensive list when I've got a £48,000 gold-plated bike. I'd rather have a shoe dryer than that bike. It adds more to my life. If you have 10 pairs of shoes and you get 10 of them, then that would be indulgent, mm-hmm. expensive. Because I can go ride in the next day and not do that thing where you've got wet shoes and you go... Or, buy, or get the £48,000 bike, sell it, and buy a pair of shoes for every day. Very wasteful. That is wasteful. Emily, what would you have? Oh, um, I could only think of one thing. I like all of your things. I could only think of one thing. And as soon as I mentioned it, when we were putting this list together, Jimmy said he also thought of it at the same time as the most uncool thing. So make of it what you will. The classic sort of Brooks leather saddles and matching hand grippers, which I actually bought and owned. I think they're very cool. For like a sort of more classic, I also had... it's like It's like a leather... That you'd have on like a sit upright type bike. I um I bought them and I had them on my uh, steel bike, which was a commuter bike. Oh, they're just grips. Right. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, little yeah. grips, but they all match in leather. It was incredibly uncomfortable, and I was told that it, I, you just had to persevere and it had to wear, wear in. But I was also told do not get them wet under any circumstances, which is hard when you're on a bike and you ride it, it gets wet. So I used to um, cycle around with a plastic bag in my pocket so that if I left it anywhere, I could put the plastic bag over the saddle so it wouldn't get wet, but it did get wet anyway. And it sunk a lot. So it was incredibly uncomfortable, incredibly impractical, but I think they look great on like a nice sort of classic steel bike. I think they're lovely. Jimmy Brooks, disagrees. England, leather grips, brown, one size. 72.63. Yeah. 72 pounds. Yeah. And then I, I sold them. I just, I hated it. Oh, that's all right. The green ones are cheaper. They're only 57.99. Those would look great on my gold plated bike. <laughs> I have one more addition to the list. Oh yeah. 
a um, wine bottle holder that attaches to your top tube so that you can ride around on your £48,000 gold-plated Colnago with a 200-bottle of vintage red wine attached to it. Mm. I can see that. That's practical. That's that's up there with the shoe dryer. I would, I'd probably get the bottle gold-plated as well to match the, the bike, of course. <laughs> okay. Uh, tell us yours via email at wildonespodcast at cagemedia.co.uk or in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. And now it is time. For another round of overrated or underrated, I'm going to read out a list of things and Jimmy and Emily are both going to tell me <laughs> if they're overrated or underrated. E-bikes. Underrated. 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 Yeah, love them. Best thing ever. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. They should, in all scenarios, replace cars. And mountain bikes without motors in. Oh, have you read? Have you done an? You've never ridden an e-mountain bike. No, but yeah, why not? Why not? You know the bit that's bad about mountain biking, which is uphill. <laughs> well, no, that's the bit. I, that's the only bit I like. I don't like the downhill bit. Why? Because it's like fast and weird. I'd rather. I'd rather. Great. You I'd rather do. Trail. I'd rather fine. do technical uphill than yeah. technical downhill. Yeah. Well, that's what uh, e-bikes have allowed: is flow trails that go uphill. So there's like purpose-made trails just for e-mountain bikes, which are uphill, you know, so you have a good time instead of just riding up the gravel track to the top of the That sounds the amazing. Yeah, so they, they and, and it teaches you, uh, I did a lot of cross-country mountain biking and in a lot of situations, it's hard to get your head around, like putting down power will get you out of most situations. So mm-hmm. if you're riding uphill and you're feeling like, you know, you're not going as fast, so you're less stable. Putting down power really does get you over stuff and e-bikes teach you that fast because as soon as you put a tiny bit of power through the pedals the motor kicks in and you basically just obstacles become nothing sometimes when you're off-road it kicks in a bit too much though doesn't it and skids you out yes especially when you always ride it on the maximum setting yes because that's the only setting i would ever put it in yeah Yeah. but But, it's like yeah the torque is but on a mountain bike though that's kind of all right because you they have got so much grip that like, you know, it's not like a road bike going up a greasy road and you start spinning out. On a mountain bike, that's like chugging in. But it, it pushes you into, because it accelerates so hard. Ecstasy. It pushes you into ecstasy. Mm, I was going to say trees. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because it's, uh, what I'm talking about are the ones with the Bosch motor. Can I just say that isn't the bike's fault. That's your steering's fault. And having it on the higher setting. It's, yeah, it's user error. It's definitely yeah, yeah. user error. <laughs> 100%. But that's part of the uh, the thrill and I would recommend, if you haven't ridden an e-mountain bike before, rent one and try it because it's awesome. Next up, cobbles. Overrated. <laughs> also overrated. They're horrible. Why would anyone want to ride on a shit road surface? I don't think anyone wants to. No, some We no, used to ride with some people, people who, do. Yeah, they'd go looking for it on road bikes. What, because it's a... Just a thing. It makes it? you feel like you're doing what the pros do. This was do, before yeah? gravel biking was really a thing. So maybe mm. those people have satisfied their itch with gravel bikes now. But yeah, it was just like road ride, uh, like town riding, wasn't it? And they'd mm. go Let's looking go for cobbles. Let's go find some cobbles. No, they're horrible. Why would you want that? <laughs> this is a weird little challenge, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. No, it's just uncomfortable. Mm. And then the worst thing in the world, sorry tax, but why would you make oh, no, that doesn't a me. turbo I know what you that would simulates the worst thing about riding a bike? cobbles it does it on the uh wood as well so what jimmy's talking about is tax turbos 
when you're connected to a game like Zwift and you ride over cobbles in the game or you ride over a wooden bridge, the turbo simulates that. So it makes you feel as if you're riding over whatever the surface is. And it is a feature I have switched off. (laughs) (laughs) But it is quite entertaining for the first time you do it. The cobble sections in Zwift are never that long. But if you were, I don't know. It's simulation, isn't it? Some people will like it. Get And then get like a redshift stem. And <laughs> to counter it. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the over-engineering. Very good. like it. Mm. Vibration loss. I learned all about that in last week's podcast. Mm. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Next up, cycling coaches. <sighs> this is, this, that's, that's a horrible uh, one. It depends what your, depends on your goal. Right? I think they are underrated. However. I'm surprised not needed for the majority of people. Mm -hmm. I think what I would like to see from coaches is them not just be fixated on like top end performance. So I'd like, I'd like coaches to have offerings where I could basically go to a coach and go, look, I used to be this fit. I'm currently this fit. I want to get somewhere. I want to get fitter. I don't want to be the best I possibly can be. I don't want to do it too fast doesn't need to be quick i just need some like accountability and some motivation and to some specialization in what to do and then you know you have a a program over six months which basically means that if i stick to it i'm going to be better than i was Mm -hmm. it i want it to not cost a fortune and i want it to not be about racing or like being the best uh and that space just doesn't really it doesn't seem to i'm sure if i had a chat with a coach i could find someone that was willing to do it but I don't know. I just think a lot of coaching is focused on like peak performance. I'm sure that's probably because that's what the client wants. So I'm sure if yeah. you went to someone and said, I want to pay you X amount per month to do this, they'd say, yeah, absolutely fine. Because if you look at like personal training, like most personal training isn't about becoming a, po- a power lifter or a bodybuilder. It's about, you know, being fitter, being healthier. I, f- I feel like coaching at least isn't presented as something that's actually good for lots of people. And, but, I, and as a result, I think people end up relying on generic training plans, which are nowhere near as good as a non-generic training plan. It's, it's, it lures people in with the shiny pro, yep. you can be the fastest possible, doesn't it? But in actual fact, if you spoke to Ken, who's the coach that we is my friends with me and we've used in the, on the channel before, I think the majority of his clients are like you. They just want to set a small goal. They want to get... You know, they want to be healthier. They want to be fitter. That's what I liken it to as well, Jimmy, is, is PTs. Not that really, I really have much dealing with it, but I think from an accountability perspective, some people like that, don't they? I guess if you have the money. and Because you can say, oh, well, it's not necessary. But to be honest, most things in cycling aren't necessary. It's all, it's all just like a hobby that people want to invest their money in. If your goal is to get faster then a coach is an extremely, is, is underrated. Mm. I think a lot of people would buy, they'll spend a thousand pounds on a set of shiny carbon wheels. But if you spent, it wouldn't even cost that much. How are you, you to spend a thousand pounds on a coach? You're going to be with a coach for a long yeah. time. You're going to make better gains. You're than paying the for knowledge, work. aren't you? I think yeah. that it's, 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 some people see the value in paying, paying for knowledge and other people don't, but. Knowledge and even, even the, the most knowledgeable athletes need someone to talk to that's true yeah because it's a very psychological thing and you might have a bad training session you might be getting ill and having someone to talk to who goes no it's all right you can have a week off 
just hearing that from somebody else, even though you know it's the right thing, hearing it from somebody else makes it a lot easier to deal with mentally. Yeah. Bike lanes. Mm. They should be underrated, mm. but they're often rubbish. And the thing I dislike about bike lanes is that they give car drivers fuel to go, why are you on the road? You should be in that bike lane. Because mm. there was always that, there's that road which goes from Richmond Park up to the <sighs> main know, road. Priory Lane. That one, I've yes. nearly been killed on yes. that so many times. There is technically a bike lane, but it's not rideable on a road bike. It's like... It's it's full of crap. It's full of pedestrians. It's not a proper bike lane, and and it has all the driveways through it. Yeah. So the loads of little driveways where you are supposed to give way to the cars, which is ludicrous because you just don't get anywhere. So nobody and uses it, and then the cars get really angry. It's like good quality bike lanes, underrated. Underrated bike lanes, which is which are like that. So unfit for purpose, and or just a piece of white paint on the road, overrated. So, so basically, ninety-eight percent of British cycle lanes <laughs> overrated. overrated. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably ninety-eight percent of Dutch cycle lanes underrated. The completely segregated uh, with a physical barrier—that's that's what you need. More of that. Yeah. Keeps everyone happy. Drivers are happy because they don't have to be on the road, going slower, slightly by a cyclist. We're happier because we're fully safe. You do have to. You say fully safe. You do have to watch yourself. I used to commute in London and the part that I rode through was mainly segregated cycle lanes, which was fantastic. Mm. However, um, people don't signal and they will, the, the lane's so big that it, it ends up like you're changing lanes. So people will move around the lane a lot. You have to be aware of other cyclists a lot, especially when you commute in, in rush hour. I guess the saving grace is that if you do have an accident with another cyclist, it's yeah, like, you're just oh, gonna fall off. you're fine. Whereas with a car, even at slow speed, is like you probably could break a bone. Very true. Yes. Or worse. Next up is fluff up of the week. We have a new jingle, Francis. I don't know about this. Which we've not told you about. So this happened while you were on holiday, and we saved it for you. This was sent in by Matt from Steel Town Music. <laughs> so this is a professionally <laughs> recorded piece yeah. of jingle, and I will play it now. Oh, oh, oh. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Uh, we do actually know Matt. He's the guy who owns a guitar shop. He uh, serviced. Is that the right word? He serviced you. Set up my guitar. No, he serviced. Yeah. With, like that. Well, that's, that's literally what you did. That was what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, tiggly fingers. No, he didn't do that. He, uh, he set up some of my guitars. It was very nice. Uh, <laughs> the fluff up of the week is my holiday, which was... Restful, however, 10 days of it, I was ill. So it wasn't really a holiday. What was your illness? I just got something on the, like a, um, not the flu, but a bad cough. So I couldn't go outside. So what happens when you fly with recirculated air? Mm. I should wear, I, honestly, a mask on an airplane is just a good idea, isn't it? Probably not, because you're still breathing in, the air you are breathing in is still recirculated. I don't think you can get away from it, can you? No, the mask will stop. That's the point. That's the whole point of the COVID mask thing, right? I think masks protect other people from your germs more than... More than it coming the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What so if, if you everyone a, what was if you wearing have a N95 or one of those? Yeah, like a gas ones? mask, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Go full, full hazmat. Full hazmat suit mm. on the plane. Yeah. 
Next up is listeners takeover and we have a question from Harry. I've been out of cycling for years after suffering with mental health. Since then, I have gained weight and lost a lot of fitness. How does someone like myself get back into cycling without being too hard on oneself? I have an opinion on this. Yeah. Um, as someone that has had mental health challenges over the last couple of years and done less and less fitness and put on weight, um, as discussed with my therapist at the beginning of this year, she was like, right, so exercise is good. We need, you need to do exercise regularly. How much do you want to do? And I was like, uh, I'd like to aim for a minimum of four days a week, um, but probably I'd like to do an hour a day, six days a week. And she was like, no, it's unattainable. It's too much. It needs to be something that you can achieve. So my only objective is twice a week, half an hour. Simple as that. And if, and if I do miss it, it doesn't make a big deal. You know, I don't make a big deal out of it. But it's small enough that it is achievable and it forms a good habit. And if you do it consistently, just that small amount, you might find yourself adding a little bit of extra in here and there. Ultimately, don't get yourself too caught up on trying to do loads of stuff and cut loads of weight because you'll end up just having a horrible time. And that is not the point of it. The point is to focus on health rather than fitness. Mm. It's bite size, isn't it? Yeah. T to be honest, it's not dissimilar from... I was in a position where I was relatively at zero fitness and Ken started training me. This is just before I moved to the Northeast. And his sessions were zone two, at, the, at the beginning, zone two on the turbo, half an hour. That was the first one. Mm -hmm. 45 minutes the next week. And then, it, so it was, it's not dissimilar. Like it's not that much more. I, th I think- And that's professional coach. It's starting off, it, you have to build- a base you build is layers, isn't it? I, th I think the uh, the important thing that I've learned from my process over the last six months is I've always set unobtainable goals. That's just how I've always done stuff, which are I never achieve. And I was like, well, that's how I want to do stuff, which is just stupid. So now I've set an obtainable goal, which still is hard to achieve every now and again, but it I'm not going to change that goal. So even if I'm, you know, riding 10 hours a week, five days a week, um, then I'm still going to have the goal of twice a week, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's the only objective because there'll be times that I can't do 10 hours and then all of a sudden I'll, it'll become a negative thing. And you then, beat yourself up. Well, yeah, and, and then you go, well, there's no point. Like I can only do two hours, half hour this week. Last year, last last three months, I've done ten hours a week. Whereas this this week, I can only do an hour. What's the point? Because it's still good for me. That's the point. Mm -hmm. So, really small and just go with it. You know, yeah. don't overthink it. Just aim aim for health. Do you um, include weights with that as well? No. So what I've learned, particularly over the last couple of months, is nothing is the same as a bit of cardio for me. Yeah, okay. So I've done a lot of things over the last couple of months that are very physical and very tiring and uh, whether they are actually training or whether they are actually just, you know, moving things around the house, mm. decorating, that kind of stuff, which is very, very physical. Um, it doesn't have the same impact as doing half hour of cardio. So for I- For your Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so what I've found is 
what I have done over the last couple of months is gone. Well, you know, I've done, I've done 15 hours worth of physical activity this week, where it, whether it be painting, moving boxes around, reorganizing stuff, which is like hard work, but I still need to get my two 30 minutes in a week because it's, it, it gets that endorphin release. Whereas moving weights, going to the gym doesn't get an endorphin hit for me. Um, so the important thing for me is to still get those 30 minutes. Yeah, fair play. I think the other thing to remember is that we've all been in that position to some extent of not being as fit as we once were. And I think the worst thing is looking back and being like, I'm not that. It, it just creates such a negative thing. So it's it's almost just like, it kind of doesn't matter where you were. You start from where you are and build in a way that is positive to the best, you know, and don't set unachievable goals. And also, what is it they say? Like comparison is the thief of joy. Don't look at what other people are doing. Doesn't matter. Even if the people are your old self. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Completely. I'm I'm very um, guilty of doing that. And I think, I know you are as well. You sort of think, oh, so even when we were talking about the BMX Everest, I start to think I was probably the fittest I ever was there. I did so many laps with you and I just found it so easy and it was great. And I think, well, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Do you want to be that? Is there benefits in being that fit? No. Like 20 hours a week fit? Not really. It's Not, just, it's, it, you just have so much pressure to continue that I mm. think you know what I mean you think well I am this now the bar is so high I have to do a lot to maintain that yeah sometimes just taking that pressure off yourself letting it dip a little bit it's more dependent on the things you do isn't it I think I'm more all-around fit now than I was when I was racing when I was doing 20 hours a week on the bike because you just neglect other aspects of yeah. your it, which was wrong I suppose like I wasn't doing any weights and stuff whereas now I can I could do 100 press-ups if I want to yeah I can run uh, 10k if I want to and not be completely smashed the next day whereas when I was doing 20 hours a week on the bike yeah, yeah I was bike fit but was I healthy true but also just life now? changes just your your focuses change your commitments change just things happen shit I'm gonna have to, I almost swore. it happens yeah I'm gonna have to beat myself out now I've <laughs> created more work um, yeah stuff happens and you can't do anything about it the biggest thing I've I've changed is I don't care about fitness I care about health yeah. So, Harry, I hope you managed to get back on the bike and everything goes well. And that advice helped in some way. We're going to end this week with some good news. We haven't done this section for, for a while, but we had a great message from a guy called Mike Jones. Good name. I was going to say it sounds like a made-up name. It's very, very Welsh, though. Mike Jones. Mm. Yeah. I run a project in Newport, South Wales, called Free Bikes for Kids, which has restored and rehomed over 3,000 donated bikes Free. The bikes go to local schools, charities, social worker referred families, refugees, and some even went out to Uganda. If you have any unused bikes that you'd like to donate uh, or bike parts, maintenance products, please contact Mike on Twitter at Puffer Jones, P-U-F-F-A Jones. Or you can support his work via GoFundMe. Donations are used to cover the maintenance of the bikes as well as fuel for delivering them. It's probably quite far if you're driving them all the way to Uganda. <laughs> we'll put a link uh, in the description of this podcast. If you have any questions or stories, please send it to wildonespodcast at cademedia.co.uk. And Jimmy is pointing his finger at me. That's too late. You've moved on. What were you going to say? I was born in Newport. <laughs> I was born in Uganda. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's all for this episode. Before you go, if you like this episode, please consider subscribing following or leaving us a review. It really helps us grow the channel and allows us to bring you more stuff like this. Thank you.
Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> bye bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray Five and One gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray Five and One only from Rustoleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.